You're listening to episode number 15 of the Not Wonder Woman podcast, insider tips from our mediation expert and how you can use mediation in your work every day. Welcome to the Not Wonder Woman podcast. No capes, no superpowers, just hustle. Not Wonder Woman removes the myth of the ladies who, quote, have it all and gives practical insight to help you, the working woman, conquer the world like the boss babes we know you are. So today we are talking about all things negotiation with our expert, Mecca Walker, but we're just giving our quick intro here about what mediation means to us. Have you been in a ton of mediations in your lawyer life? I haven't been in a ton. I feel like I have been in one significant mediation, so really early on in my career, seven parties, multi-million pound mediation. It was very complicated and I was kind of thinking, what is happening? This is, there's so much going on, but it was really exciting. I really, really like mediation, really enjoy it. I love, I love them too. I, I probably have been in no less than a hundred mediations in my life, just Oh, sure. Just because I was a litigator, right? And so oh, I see. Yeah. Every, yeah, every case I would be a part of would go to mediation. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the, I think the thing everybody told me early on was nobody leaves a mediation happy. No. So don't. you don't. No. You know, if, you, if everybody leaves unhappy, it probably was a successful mediation. Yes. Whatever that yeah. means. Definitely. And I feel, I feel like managing yeah. your client's uh, expectations of mediation, you know, you are going to have to throw something in the hat in order to get out of there and to just be done with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, whereas you could go to court and you could have the court rule in your favor, mediation, you, to make this go away, this is my number one question to my clients because I work in house. How much are you willing to pay to make this go away? You know, and I feel like mediation <laughs> is great because you can have a conversation. It's less adversarial. You can really try and understand the other parties as to what is their driver, what is their, you know, why are they here? Why are they like stuck on their point? Um, but it, it's mm. quite a process. Is it the same in the US? Is it still, it, you know, really uh, process heavy? Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And it, it, they typically take a long time. I mean, they can take, all day long, you can talk about a case, um, you know, but t- to me, what I'm excited about, I guess, hearing is the other side. I've only ever been a party to a mediation, exactly what you're saying, somebody trying to go in and settle something. Yeah. But I love this idea of thinking through this with the eyes of the mediator and the person that hears both sides and then brings the parties together. Because to me, that's just an incredible skill set that I probably don't have very I don't well have at all skills, because I've been no. a I've been, I've been an advocate my whole life and Mm -hmm. most people are advocates about whatever their position Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. and, and in whatever it is, whether it's a work argument, a family argument or what, or discussion, Mm -hmm. not arguments, but discussions, (laughs) but, 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 um, that's what I'm super excited about is just to kind of hear how she bridges gaps and thinks about things a little differently, um, to help find solution. And yeah. so that for me is what I'm excited to learn uh, about today because I think I'm more of the advocate than the, than the solution person. I, I'm definitely with you. But I do feel like as a, it, it, in terms of leadership, you need those mediation skills. You can't always be trying to like win something for your client. You know, if you've got, 
I, I do feel like I may have mediated on a personal level, like between friends or, you know, like on that kind of guys, can we try and reach an agreement like that, that kind of thing. And I definitely do not feel like I you have... mediate every day with Poppy. What are you this, talking about? Honestly, I, no, I don't mediate. <laughs> I just concede. I'm just like, right. Okay. <laughs> Let's just, just get out of the just door. Just out. put that dress on with those wellies. Let's just go. <laughs> it's like 30 <laughs> degrees outside. Just wear it. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt the perfectly appropriate point you were making, but it was a true statement. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you there. I think maybe as she gets older, maybe I will cultivate more mediation skills so that I'm not just conceding and being a permissive parent but I'd like to think I'm mediating but I'm not but I do know that I need these mediation skills so I just think they're they're great for anybody to have especially if you're leading a team or you want to be in a leadership role you will always need to get two parties or maybe even more parties to like get like you know get to some common ground so I'm really excited for these tips and techniques. Today I am joined with my great friend Mecca Walker. Mecca, say hi. Hi. Thanks so much for coming. You guys, today we are talking about mediation and not just mediation in the context of going into court and hoping you settle a case, but really why mediation is important for your life. So you know that Kieran and I are both lawyers. Mecca also is a lawyer, but she has a career now as a mediator. And so we want to understand her tips and her tricks for really making mediation an effective part of her life, of our lives, excuse me, and how we can do that ourselves. Mecca, will you tell us just a little bit about your journey to becoming a mediator? Kind of where are you from? What did you do? And how did you get to be a mediator? Okay, so I'm from Houston. Houston is home. I grew H-town. up on the, yes, H-Town. I grew up on the northwest side. Proud graduate of Sci Fair, Bobcats. Nice. Um, but then I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer. So I went to undergrad in Atlanta, Georgia. And then I went to law school in Washington, D.C. So I went to Howard Law School. Nice. And so graduated law school, um, got my JD, hung my shingle out, and started doing family law. Um, started doing family law and did that for about almost seven years, not quite seven years, and then got appointed to serve on one of the benches in Harris County in the family courts. And y'all, she got that appointment because she's real smart. She won't say that, but I will say that she's genius and loved and everybody loved this woman on the bench and mainly because she knew how to get cases moved and moved along and now you're in the world of mediation. Yes. Yes. So off the bench, in the world of mediation, yes. full-time mediator. So for those of the folks that are listening, tell them what is mediation? Mediation is where parties who have a conflict sit down, usually with someone who is neutral. That would be me, the mediator, and try to come to a resolution so they don't have to go down to the courthouse. And do you always do it before a lawsuit is filed, after a lawsuit is filed? It just depends. So my area is family law. So generally speaking, we do it after it's filed because the court doesn't have jurisdiction before. Okay, nice. And so why do you think it's important at all for people, parties, to mediate? Well, I think that, you know, oftentimes we don't realize that we agree on more things than we don't. And so if you just carve out some time to sit down and put pen to paper and list the things that you're, you know, wanting, you may realize that y'all can agree on, let's just say, six out of the ten. 
And then you're able to narrow your focus down on the four issues that are remaining and try to flush it out and figure out a way to get it resolved. What do you think are some of the misconceptions about what mediation is? What Do people come in there thinking it's going to be one way? And, and do you see a lot of people think one way about mediation? I will say this. I, when I was a practicing lawyer at a law firm, I used to think that mediation was a place where I could win. And, and I don't view mediation that same way after practicing almost 20 years now. I view it a little differently. But what, what are you seeing out there is what people think mediation is and then and then what's the misconceptions they have i think the misconception and 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 understand that i'm always talking with the um background of someone who does family law um is that it's gonna be a waste of time oh wow yeah that it's just okay i'm just punching my ticket i'm just gonna do what the court says i've got to come to mediation this is gonna be a total waste of time because we've been going back and forth on this stuff for the past six months or you know, whatever the time frame is. So that is a misconception. For sure. Um, people are nervous and not understanding that it's more casual. Yeah, not a courtroom. It's not a courtroom. Everything is confidential. You know, if you're not able to reach an agreement, it can't be used against you down at the courthouse. So people don't understand those basic concepts and they think something's going to happen that they don't want to happen. But... If it does, if they don't approve of it, if they don't sign off on it, it's not happening. Yeah. So people, I spend some time educating them before we even get started, and you can physically see people start to relax. Oh yeah. Because they don't know what to expect. Whenever I would go to mediation early on in my career, I really did think that the idea was for me to win the day at the end of the day, and half the time, to me, it was really just to get the case settled and to yeah. move on. And 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 you know, what percentage of cases that you see? get resolved in mediation oh 98 percent. wow okay uh-huh. and we do it you know we do two types we'll do temporary and we'll do final okay and so temporary is more what are we going to do in the meantime until we can sort things out let's just say if you have a family business or you have a home and you just need some documents to verify certain things but y'all just can't live together in the house mm-hmm. while you're waiting to get those documents okay. <laughs> So you may come in and do some temporary um, mediations or okay. for temporary orders. And then you have the final, and that's the one where, you know, this is this is it. Yeah. But I think that people, if they just give it a try, you know, they'll be shocked at the process, the engagement, the willingness to give and take. Um, and most people walk away surprised mm-hmm. that they got it done, but very relieved. And are you the one, though, that helps people walk through that process yes. of really getting in there? That's that's really the main skill set yes. of a mediator. Absolutely. Yeah, walking them through. And so, you know, just by and large, I don't view mediation as being the thing we see on TV all the time because it's not very sexy. Your Honor, I object. Yeah. <laughs> like, none of, that, none of that stuff is the stuff we see every day. But really, I think in both of our experiences, that's the way cases get resolved. Yeah. It just, just by and large. So yeah. mediation is just a, a key role, um, I think, uh, for people to understand. And, you know, you, you talked a little bit about the mindset of getting people's mindset right. What is your mindset as a mediator going into a mediation? How do you kind of get yourself prepared as the person that's the neutral? That's a good question. One thing I do, no matter what the case is, I remind myself, be interested and not interesting. People don't care about my story and what I've seen and what I've done. Their life is, quote unquote, falling apart. Sure. You know, it 
you know, they never thought they were going to be going through a divorce or they never thought that they would be going through a custody battle. Mm -hmm. So this is their entire life. And right now the focus needs to be on that person. Mm -hmm. So as a mediator, I mentally prepare myself by putting all my personal stuff to the side. Mm -hmm. It's not about me. It's just not. I'm, I want to be interested in you. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know what's important to you. I want to know um, how you got here. That's how I mentally prepare. And then more practically, if the lawyers send me stuff in advance, it really helps me a lot. So I can walk in the door. I already know the kids' names. I already know, you know, if there's a family business. I already know, you know, how many houses. I just have a gist of who you are. Mm -hmm. And when people feel like you've done your homework and you know who they are and you care about who they are, Mm -hmm. it it gets them relaxed Mm -hmm. and more willing to open up. And the sooner people can open up, the sooner we can start getting things done. I don't want to spend an hour trying to get people to open up. Right. I need that to happen like in the first 15 minutes. So, okay, what's the, what's the icebreaker <laughs> question then? How do you do that? It just depends. It's case by case. Yeah. It's just, it's literally case. I don't have any one thing. My my mantra is be interested. That's right. it. You know, That's and I, a great one. Yeah. That's yeah. a great one. I'm yeah. going to take that. I feel, I feel like so much of mediation, what you've just described, is really learning to communicate well with each other. And so... I think you're 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 that great takeaway just that as we think about mediation and how people can apply it to their lives is 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 really being interested in the other person because just like you said nobody cares really about you everybody cares about numero uno that's right me that's right well and also being a good listener yeah just listen what what is your techniques that you apply for being either an active listener or a present listener kind of what are ways that you Eye to eye. You gotta look people in the eye. Yeah. You know, on the bench, I was a multitasker because I had orders in front of me that I needed to sign. I had questions that needed to be answered from the clerk. And then I had a trial I was listening to. I could do all three. I really could. And I could hear what was going on. And if there was an objection, I could make a ruling on it, but I could continue to sign my orders. Mm. But people don't feel like you're really engaged or listening if you're doing other things. Right. And if you're not looking at them in the eye. So one technique I have is, Mecca, you got to look them in the eye. And I'm thinking to myself, but I really need to just be looking at the spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't know that I really am hearing them and I'm just looking at the numbers at the same time. So that's one thing that I do to make sure that they feel like we're really engaged and I'm really hearing them. So when you get parties to start thinking about coming to mediation, you mentioned... um, you know, getting them in the right mindset when they're there and, and trying to get to know them and get them to open up early. Is there anything even before the mediation that you're doing with the parties or the lawyers to get everybody into that right mindset before they walk in the door that day of that mediation? Yeah. So whenever they confirm or whenever they request their mediation, we send out a confirmation packet. I don't have it in front of me, but I can't remember everything that it says. But I ask the lawyers, because I only communicate with the lawyers. I don't communicate directly with their clients, but I ask them to send this to their client. Mm. And in that confirmation, I tell them about myself, and then I tell them what to expect. Mm. So that's kind of something I do as a precursor. And a lot of times people will walk in, and I will see that they will have that letter. If somebody's coming into a mediation 
Um, you mentioned this a little bit, but what do you think would be would make for the most successful mediation if you're a party to one coming in? What should their mindset be? What should they be thinking about? If you could talk to all these clients, not the lawyers, if you could talk to them before they walked in the door, what is advice you would give to them as coming into this contentious matter and in, into a mediation? What can they think about? I think you think about your priorities, like what's most important to you. Think about... First of all, you're not going to get everything that you want. You know, mediation is give and take. You know, that's the whole point of it. Um, There are going to be things that you're going to be asking for that if you went down the courthouse, you probably wouldn't get. Mm. There are going to be things that the other side is asking for they probably wouldn't get. So out of those things that you're asking for, rank what's most important Mm. so you can give away things that are lower ranked so you can get your higher rank stuff. So that's part part of what I would tell people to do. Know your your assets. Know what you Mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. You know, if retirement's an issue, know how much money is in your retirement. If you think that there's a portion of your retirement that's separate property, know the numbers Mm -hmm. because it's going to help the mediator help you if the mediator can go in the other room and have these hard facts because they're entitled to it. Mm-hmm. It's no need in beating around the bush or trying to hide the information. They're entitled to it. They would get it if they went down to the courthouse. Just give it to them. Mm-hmm. And I guess the key thing is know your priorities and know that you're not going to get every single thing. Mm-hmm. What is the things that you, when you have somebody in a mediation, how do you hear them best? And what I mean by that is, you know, if there's a party that is yelling and ranting and raving and expecting certain things, I assume you kind of tune that out in some ways. But what's the way you, you mentioned know your facts, but what is the way you hear and, and is most persuasive to you as a mediator when you see it from a party? Most people are upset. Okay. You know, a lot of people feel like victims. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel entitled because if he hadn't have done this or if she hadn't have done this, then we wouldn't be here. If people, I feel like people need to vent. Mm. They need to get it off their chest. So I allow them to do that. You know, get it, just get it all off. None of it really makes a difference in the, <laughs> you know, in the underlying case, but it ma- makes a difference to them because they want to feel like they've been heard mm-hmm. and they just want to vent. And I'm okay with that. And so, but then if people are angry, I can't hear that. Like, I I can't function with that. So I'll tell people, you know what? Maybe you just need to get some fresh air. You know, where I do my mediations, it's very peaceful. We've got water fountains. We've got little rock gardens. You know, that sort of thing. Just go take a walk around the block. You know, if you smoke, go smoke a cigarette. (laughs) Please. 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 I can't offer you any alcohol, but, you know. If you have that flask. (laughs) Exactly. I won't say a word. I won't say a word. I, I love that. I, you know, I think that's just important for all of us to remember, um, you know, how we approach a situation and our initial responses are important to how we're heard, too. Thinking about that, if we were a party in any kind of dispute, the way we convey that to the neutral or to somebody trying to arbitrate or even just a manager at work or a mm-hmm. parent, you know, the way we convey it matters and it matters to what we hear. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's an important piece of um, what it is. You know, you mentioned this. How important is understanding in mediation, like understanding the claims and issues versus being heard? So do, do, do people really want to understand the process as much, or have you seen it really that they just want to be heard in many ways? Or they just want to be heard. Yeah. They just want to be heard. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Just people, and that's life, right? That's humans want to be validated for existing and right. having their thoughts, right? Because they, most of them, have hired lawyers, right? So the lawyer can understand all that. You know, they're not yeah. trying to go to law school. They're not, you know, they're yeah. not trying to apply all this stuff later on. They just want to be heard and feel like they're getting their fair share. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. No, I, I think that also is just super applicable to life, mm-hmm. right? And this idea of communicating, especially just in a, any volatile situation. Um, really, this is why I wanted to talk to Mecca, because I, I feel like mediations happen daily. It's not just in a courthouse setting. They happen with family members. They happen in the office. And in some ways, we are the party to the mediation. We're coming in there with a dispute. In other days, we're the mediator. Mm-hmm. And, and what hat are we putting on? What's the mindset we're putting on? What's the way we're communicating? To me, those are key things to being successful in business, period. Mm-hmm. In life, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. <laughs> in friendships and, and everything else. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I wanted to think about, too, as we think about this, you, you mentioned people being heard. You know, just how important are, are kind of non-economic factors? Often when I went to mediation, it was just about a dollar amount, settle the case, and, and walk away and be done. In, in family matters, I can imagine there, there's more than this, but just non-economic factors in all kinds of mediation. What are things that, that, that are important to people that, that some people may not put a value on? Right. Um, what, what do you see that miss happen? It's not always just dollars and cents. No, I mean, a lot of times it's not just dollars and cents. I mean, you've got, you've got to have some peace. Mm. You know, you've got to be able to close this chapter and move on to the next one, and you can't move on to the next one until you finish this one up. There are kids involved. And your kids feel your pain or they see your anger. And the more you argue and the more you're in this litigation, your kids, it has an impact on them. You know, whether you know it or not, you know, they pick up on when you're sad. They pick up on when you're angry. They pick up on if you and dad had an argument, even if you don't feel like you argued in front of them. So sometimes just for the benefit of the peace in your family and your life, it's worth getting the case done. You know, you can't go bankrupt, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's something, and I tell people this, I say, you know, it may not be your first choice. You may not be jumping up and down about it, but can you live with it? Can you live with it? Yeah. You know, and if the answer is yes, then why don't you seriously consider it? Yeah. And, and, and that has a huge impact on people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, how fast do you usually get a mediation done? Is it typically a day? It depends. If it's temporary, if we're negotiating on temporary orders, we, get, we do those in half a day. If it's final, it usually takes the full day because it's the final thing. You're not going back. There's no tweaking it. So it just depends. But on average, if it's final, it's a full day. Who have you found to be the most successful parties in a mediation? Just kind of what, what have they done to get, get it to the end game and, and get a resolution? They've done their homework. Yeah. You know, they know what they have and they know what they want, you know, and they have reasons for it. It's not just I want this. Mm-hmm. I want this because blah, blah, blah. We tried this. It didn't work. These are the things that we tried and this is what happened. So then it empowers the neutral to go into the other room and 
explain why that option really isn't going to work for the other Mm -hmm. side. So the people who are the most successful are people who have cooperated with their attorney, given them the information that they need, and they know what it is that they want. And like when they have bullet points, like I had one today before I came and sat down with you. I mean, the lawyer and the client sat down and it was the respondent Mm -hmm. who actually sat down and bullet pointed the six issues with six issues. And this was his position on each issue. Wow. And I was so impressed. I was so impressed. And so the petitioner, who I guess in civil would be the plaintiff, they hadn't done any of that. Yeah. And so I just went by what the respondent did and in the petitioner's room because that's all I had. So we were able to address all of the respondent's issues. So inevitably, despite people that may be well prepared, some mediations fail. You know, no matter what you do or what the parties do. I hate that. <laughs> oh, my god! Okay, why do you hate it? I just don't like it. I just, I need everyone to kumbaya. <laughs> Fair, that's okay. I hate it. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I do. So, so then I'm going to ask you kind of a two-part question. How do you deal with mediations that fail? What do, what do you do to help I don't get do well. <laughs> why? why? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the Virgo in me. I just, I need it to be successful. Okay. Um, you know, it's probably w- why you're really good at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a win to me is a successful mediation. That's a win. And I just, I've been doing mediation since mid, late 2016. Mm-hmm. And so in the very beginning, I just took it hard. Like, what didn't I do? What didn't mm-hmm. I say? Well, should I have done this or should I have that? Because I really feel like the neutral should really try hard to think outside mm-hmm. the box, mm-hmm. you know, because the lawyer, their job is to advocate for their client and get the most for their client. Right. The neutral, their job is to get the, is to get the case settled, mm-hmm. you know, and the way you do that is by listening to both parties and figuring out, even if the party doesn't know how to articulate what's most important to them, mm-hmm. most people are not that organized, right? you know, and, but you can hear based upon things they keep repeating, you can figure out as a neutral, what's most important to them. And so then trying to take what I've extrapolated as to what's most important to them and then come up with a thinking of outside of the box way to get them that Mm. and the same for the other side. And so whenever cases in the beginning, wouldn't settle I would just beat myself up as the neutral like what could you have done better and then I realized you know some people just need their day in court that's right some people just need it that's right you know so they can feel like I did everything I possibly could for my kids right you know and that's an okay answer and that's an yeah I mean and that's okay yeah and that's okay so I don't take it as a person (laughs) anymore and um Learning when to call it quits mm. is something I still struggle with today because I will go until, you know, we can get it done. But then there are some times you have to say, you know, this isn't going to settle and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Then I switch gears and I try to say, well, can we settle some things and not others? Oh. So can we, you know, we've got five things on the table. We can agree on four. Mm-hmm. So can we get a mediated agreement on these four things? And then y'all just tee up the fifth thing to the judge. Mm-hmm. And most people will do that because then it narrows the issues. It doesn't cost as much money for their attorneys to prepare. The trial isn't going to be as long. Right. And so that's my plan B. If I can't get the whole thing done, then I shift to can we get some things done? I got to say the thing that to me, 
just sitting here listening to you um, answer that question is how much work the neutral's doing in, in all of this. And, and sometimes in life, I feel like if we're in this role, whether we're a boss and we're hearing complaints from people, if we're between friends and we're hearing these issues uh, among them or, or family members that are fighting or something like that or just whatever it is, um, you know, the neutral is not a passive job. It's not just a listening job. No. You are creative. No, I am not like a little bird messenger where right. I'm going back and forth between each room. That's right. not the, their role. And, you know, and it's annoying when people haven't done their discovery, for mm. example. And, you know, an attorney will say, well, I need to see this bank statement. Then I'll go, okay, well, let me just grab it for you. And then I'll grab it and they say, okay, well, I need to see this receipt. No, you should have done all that before you came to me. I'm not going to do, I know. And so that's happened a few times. I'll say, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put both of the attorneys in the room together. So y'all can exchange the necessary documents you need to exchange. You can look at them and then we'll continue. Because your neutral is critical because they're coming up with ideas based on the party's desires. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're not little bird messengers. Yeah, no. But it's just just a good reminder though, because if you are in the middle of anything, if you ever find yourself in that role of being in the middle of a situation, you know, your job is not just to listen, it is to be creative and think strategically about it. Yeah, and problem solve. And so I just, I love that reminder in life because I think it's, it's not, um, it's not to be missed. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned that there's times to walk away. What are, what are the things that you that you've seen that say it's time kind of kind of what are ways we can think about that if we're out in the real world seeing a, not a fight but a, but but a discussion that's just going awry or something like that when is the time to walk away you know i'm a really bad person <laughs> i do not believe you you're a very good mediator no but i'm just telling you when when is it time to walk away i'm still working on that i know you know yeah. i will keep going and keep going and keep going um it's, you know, when is a good time to walk away? I'm trying to, whenever I feel like, usually it's the attorney and they're not budging. Mm. They're just not budging on anything. And their ask is just so far apart that I just know I can't even get anywhere close to the middle. Okay. And even if I got to the middle, they still wouldn't be happy because unfortunately there are attorneys who take over for their clients Mm. and their client doesn't have a voice Mm. and it's the it becomes the attorney's case and the attorney's like no i'm not going to do that and they haven't even turned to look at their client Mm -hmm. to tell the client the pros and the cons Mm. so in those situations where i know i'm dealing with the attorney and they're just not budging then i'll just say you know i think we're going to just call it a day how how do you then communicate that to the parties what do you do to help the parties walk away in addition well so it depends so if the attorney is not budging because they're just not budging then my position is well you never know what's going to happen in court but some people need to just hear it from the judge Mm -hmm. and your attorney feels like you can do way better and that he'd be doing you a disservice to advise you to sign off on this agreement so that's one way. Um, another way is if we've been working really hard and let's just say we had a full day mediation, but we still have some things we need to get done and the attorneys are just so far apart. I've done it where I've said, you know what, let's just recess. 
I don't even tell the other side what the number is because it's so far apart and I don't want them to get discouraged. I don't want them to feel like it's a waste of time. I'll just say, you know what? We've been working really hard all day. We're tired. We need to go home and eat, get some rest. Um, and we're going to come back. Okay. And we'll start fresh. And do those typically settle? And they settle. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had people who were way far apart and I knew that if I told the other side the number, they would be offended and they would just be like, we're done. Mm. We're done. So if we're to the point where I know we can still, there's still hope, yeah. but we just need to take a break, yeah. I'll say that and it works. It, it literally works. I've never, I've never had a fail when they come back. Oh, wow. With just having a chance to eat. And they probably talked to some friends or talked to yeah. some, you know, family and whatnot. Slept on it. Slept on it. Um, and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, now I owe my lawyer, you know, <laughs> for <of> eight <laughs> hours, you know, at, you know, whatever, $300 an hour for mediation. I want to get this done because if they have to prepare for trial, then it's going to be even more expensive. So I, you know what I, what I hear though, when I think about this also putting this in my daily life is sometimes it's okay to walk away and that doesn't mean that it's over. No, it it doesn't always mean that it's over. And so sometimes rather than say a word that gets people so offended that they just will never talk to you again (laughs) um, to remember that as we go about our lives, you know, there, there is always another day to fight. (laughs) Right. You know, fight a break, but yeah, a break is sometimes warranted. Mm-hmm. welcome and probably the smartest thing we'll do <laughs> right or let me pause before i respond to this right this is how i'm feeling right now so i know if i say something it's pure emotion mm. so i'm just gonna put a pin in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and wait a minute before i address it i've been talking about a little bit about how i think mediation applies to daily lives how often are you the mediator in life for your friends and family oh gosh um you know i feel like you know, I don't really have a lot of conflict surrounding me in yeah. my personal life. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, that's very designed. I've known her on for purpose. a long time and she's being very truthful. Right yeah, there. I just don't. And if I do, you know, like even the incident I called you this summer I and I, it just threw me all off because I'm I like, know. no, this is not what I do in my life. I um, so I definitely apply it to my personal relationships mm-hmm. in the sense that if someone's talking, be interested. Mm. A lot of times people, when they're having conversations, they're waiting for their turn. You know, they're thinking of what they're going to say next. And you're not really just absorbing what is being said to you. So it's like, just listen to what they're saying and don't think about your response. Because they're not done talking. So how do you know what the response is going to be until they're done? But as humans, we're automatically defensive. We automatically want to be heard. You know, we want the person to... um, well, hear us. Yeah. And so you've got to just, you know, table what you're going to say and really take in what the person is telling you. I love I love that reminder. You know, what are as you think through this, what are some of the questions to ask or that you've seen be asked that allow people to feel like they can open up and be heard? How do you ask, what are some of those ways? Very open-ended questions. Right. You know, it's kind of like the fun of who what when where why how when, you know, just very open-ended. And then they're able to just tell their story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so just as if we're if you're in that position in a even just in a personal situation, just making sure the questions are open ended. Open ended. You know, how did you feel about X? Yes. Right. And, yeah. And not something like, well, don't you know you were you were involved with this, right? <laughs> Question mark. Exactly. That's the opposite of the kind of question to get people talking. Absolutely. And feeling heard. Absolutely. Um, I love these reminders. You know, is there anything else you want us to think about, 
from a mediator perspective or being a party to a mediation, just how it's been helpful in your life or ways you've been able to apply this that have been useful to you. And I think it's just, I've become a much better listener, you know, way better because in my prior life, it was just really important for me to be heard, you know, state my position and why I'm right. But now I just, I crave to understand and hear what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. So, and then being a good confidant. I mean, as lawyers, you know, if we say something that someone told us as a client, you know, we could lose our license. Right. When friends tell you things or family members tell you things in confidence, keep it confidential. You know, and I, that helped me a lot too, is being very cognizant of what people confide in me and making it precious so that mm. I wouldn't repeat it to somebody else um, that I know that that would, that, whoever told me wouldn't want me to do. That, am I making sense? Absolutely. And I will tell you, I don't think there's a better way to end it on other than be a good listener, be somebody who people trust. I mean, isn't that the secret to life and happiness really? Um, in your, so word, your word is your bond. Yeah. You know, if you don't have your word, what yeah. do you have? Yep. Yep. So I love this. Thank you for just sharing your wisdom and your insight with us. And I look forward to seeing how all the boss babes out there that listen take this on (laughs) and uh, apply this to their daily lives. And as always, do not forget to ask us any questions. We are here for you. It's time for the Fast Five. No planning, five questions, real answers. All right, Mecca, are you ready for the Fast Five? Not, not really. No. Uh-oh. Okay, we got, we got some trepidation here. I promised her this would not be too painful, so we will get going. Number one of our Fast Five, what is your per- personal anthem or song that gets you going? Okay, so right now, it's I'm Living My Best Life. Get it. I yes. love it. <laughs> Love it. We all wish that was our reality, too. There we go. I'm not going back and forth with people. I'm living my best life. Question number two. What is the healthiest thing you do on a regular basis? Exercise. Yeah, exercise. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that get you in the right mindset, too, to be a mediator? I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Calm you down. Okay, this is kind of a two-part question. What is your um, favorite book? It could be all-time or one you're reading right now. And are you reading that on a tablet, phone, computer, or are you the real thing? <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you read your books? I read them all kinds of ways. Okay. Um, old school, just old-fashioned way, and I read them sometimes on a tablet. It just depends. So right now, my favorite my favorite book is always whatever I'm reading. Okay. Right now. So it's the Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. And I'm reading it classic, just regular book. The book. Yeah. All right. The book. Yeah. I read that on my phone. And so. it's so funny. I know. Okay. Have you seen the movie though? No, because I want to read the book first. I know. I haven't seen the movie. Okay. So that'll be a date. Okay. That'll we're be do a that. date. We'll do, do that date. Yeah. Okay. You made it. You made it. Okay. The question number four, um, what is the one thing that you're never without? Ooh. Um, my eye drops. Oh, that's a good, my husband would be with you on that. No, it's right. Dry eye in Houston, Ooh. Texas is a real yeah, thing. It is real. The struggle is real. I'm never without my eye Oh, drops. I love that. You had a night off, not hanging out with your friend, drinking wine and doing a podcast. What is your ideal way to relax? My ideal way to relax? A massage? That's a good one. Is I mean, it? you're in a high-stress job, yeah. so I got to kind of think through that. Like, what? Do you, how do you do it? yeah. At the Beakroom Studio. Nice. Because she's really good. Her name is Inga. She's awesome. And, like, if you go do a great hot yoga class, 
then go take a cool shower and then lay on her table. All right. Um, those might be our next sponsors, yeah. Bikram Yoga of Houston or Hot Yoga of it's Houston now. There we incredible. go. There we go. Well, thank you again, Mecca. You survived the fast five. episode is generously sponsored by Blonde Biscotti Coffee and Biscotti Bar in the heart of Houston, Texas. They are proud to serve third wave coffee and soft baked biscotti, blondebiscotti.com. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to click the subscribe button on iTunes so you never miss a show. And we want to hear from you, so please feel free to send us your questions and comments to notwonderwomanpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us at our website, notwonderwoman.com.